Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Sunday service of Free Community Church. I'm very excited to be here today, even though I may not show it, because we have got a very special speaker. And then front of house, we have got a mostly uh, female uh, volunteer group, whereas the back of house, we have a lot of males behind. So it's like a reversal of role, but that's what FCC is for and is about. So I'd like to welcome you all and invite all of you to... Uh, Come into a heart of worship with a call to worship. Drawn by God's presence, we, we gather. gather. Inspired by God's spirit, we, we worship. worship. Empowered by God's grace, we live. We are a community. Embraced, Embraced by, by the, the mystery of God's, God's love for all creation. creation. We are a community that looks for the light of Christ. The light that shines in every time, every place, and every life. Within this dynamic community, we foster connections and experiences that bring meaning to life and help us face the issues of the day. Together, we strive to live with loving hearts, open minds, and hands extended to all. Welcome home. Amen. Now I'd like to invite all of us on the side to stand if you are willing and able to, in body and in spirit. And those who are worshipping with us online, let's join the worship team for a time of worshipping together. Good morning everyone. Okay, in the spirit of Hari Raya, uh, I always greet my Malay friends at the store. Pagi, pagi, pagi. So may I invite you to greet uh, your neighbor and everyone? Pagi, pagi, pagi. Just take one minute. <laughs> pagi means morning. Yeah, selamat pagi. That's right. Oh, that's true. That's true. Okay, let's start our first song. The first song, open your eyes. Sorry, open the eyes of my heart. I've always thought about it. Does my heart have eyes? What does God mean? What does the person composing mean? Then um, over the week, um, I was reading about an article. Um, it says that, you know, don't worry about what to say to God when you pray. Don't worry about the words to use. God knows your heart. So this morning, may I invite you to speak God's language. Speak heart. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you I want to see you To see you high and lifted up Shining in the light of your glory Pour out your power and love As we sing holy, holy, holy 
of our lives as we sing this song I am desperate for you some of us are feeling that way today whether we are searching for purpose in life seeking hope or feeling that all is lost God is here God is here for you. Isaiah 46, 4 I have made you and I will carry you. I will sustain you and I will rescue you. Let's claim that promise today. This 
is my daily bread Your very word Spoken to me And I I'm desperate for you without you let's sing this is the air this is the air I breathe this is the air I breathe your holy presence This is my daily bread This is my daily bread Your very word Spoken to me
Join me in a word of prayer. God of life, we followed Jesus' humble parade into Jerusalem, witnessed his unjust hanging, mourned what seemed to be the end of hope, and was joyfully surprised by his rising to new life. But because we cannot 
and must not forget also the darkness of sin that even still is around us, we make petition this morning for all people anywhere and everywhere who continue to feel crucified by a cruel world and yet do not perceive any Easter. We pray for refugees, for tortured prisoners, for the innocent victims of war in Sudan, Myanmar, Yemen, Ukraine, and so many more places. We pray for the homeless poor and those victimized and diminished by racism, discrimination, and oppression of all kinds in every city and the ongoing conflict between the Israelis and the Palestinians. We pray for all those who can see no Easter light because all that is good and lovely has been eclipsed by depression that will not lift, by chronic pain that will not abate, by a stretch of unemployment with no end in sight, or by a job that is dragging the spirit day by day because the work seems so meaningless. O oh Lord, the things that led Jesus to the cross have not yet disappeared from the face of the earth. The need for resurrection remains stubbornly present in the lives of millions. Make us, O oh Spirit of the living God, life-giving spirits, to minister to those in need this Easter season and always. Right here in this congregation, there are also needs aplenty. We pray for those who mark this Easter season without a beloved family member or friend since we last observed this holy time. Be with anyone who feels that they need to believe in the resurrection more than ever, but is finding it difficult because the absence of that dear person is too real to deny and too total to grasp. We pray for those who are sick this day or who are worried about a loved one who is very ill. We pray for those who face legal and financial troubles. We pray for students who are taking exams now or will do so in the next few weeks. And in this moment of silence, we name those who are in our thoughts and hearts. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Be with each of us gathered for this service. We thank you for gracing us with musicians who spend their talents thoughtfully and well in this place so that all of us may be drawn closer to you through the mystery of music. We thank you for our speaker today, Rabbi Miriam, for her preparation and bringing God's word here to give us deeper insight and encouragement. But above all, we thank you for the presence of the Spirit of the living Lord, Christ Jesus, as we encounter nothing short of your very self here this morning. 
may we know for sure that we have indeed been in your sacred presence. And may this encounter in turn embolden us to live an Easter life, not only now, but also in the days to come and forevermore. We pray in the name of Jesus the Christ. Amen. So, so good morning everyone and welcome to FCC. This morning, we are so delighted and privileged to have with us Rabbi Miriam Faber-Weinberg. And Rabbi Miriam is uh, one of the rabbis uh, together with her husband, Rabbi Benny, uh, at the United Hebrew Congregation, a progressive uh, Hebrew congregation here in Singapore. One of the amazing things about uh, Rabbi Miriam, other than her extensive knowledge of the Hebrew Bible and the Midrash, and I've learned so much from her, but the fact that she is the first female rabbi here in Singapore. And so we celebrate that, and we are so excited that we get to welcome her on our pulpit this morning. So before I bring her up, I would like to invite those of you who are here, as well as those of you who are online, as we usually do on Sundays for sermons, um, to join us on menti.com. Uh, you can either scan the QR code, you can go into fcc.ly slash menti, and it'll take you to the slides for today. Because Rabbi has a couple of questions this morning to engage with you. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, and I think it would really add on to what she has prepared for us today. It's amazing. I hope you will learn a lot from it. And that, um, yeah, that this will be a blessing for all of us as well. So will you join me in welcoming Rabbi Miriam this morning? In the beginning, before there was anything, there was chaos and void, what the Torah of my tradition calls tohu vavohu. And there was God. At the beginning of time, God's presence filled the universe. Judaism's mystical tradition, the Kabbalah, teaches that when God decided to bring this world, our world, into being, there was no room for creation because everything was God. God's first step of creation was to breathe. God drew in God's holy breath, contracting the divine self. And from that contraction, tsimsum, darkness, was created. And when God uttered the first words, let there be light, the light that came into being filled the darkness. God's primordial light, this first light, was created on day one of creation. And remember, Genesis tells us that the celestial lights, the sun and the moon, 
are not created until day four. But this first light, God's primordial light, was placed into ten holy vessels. The mystical gloss on this creation story continues. Imagining these ten light-filled vessels sent out into the world, bringing God's holy, perfect light. Had they arrived to their destinations intact, our world would be perfect without the pain, the suffering, the brokenness, the hurt, the injustice that we see every day. But alas, that is not how this story ends. Those vessels were too fragile for such a powerful divine light. The vessels shattered, and the light escaped in the form of holy sparks scattered throughout our world. Adam, the first human being, could have redeemed the world and restored the divine light to its proper place. However, when Adam ate the forbidden fruit and he and Eve were exiled from the Garden of Eden, he missed out on the opportunity to do this much-needed repair work. Where are the sparks now? Jewish tradition teaches that some of them are within you and me. That when God created humanity as that last act of creation, God created us B'Tselem Elohim in the image of God. One way to understand this is that each and every individual has a spark of that divine light planted inside our souls. Some of the sparks are hiding, harder to find. This myth of the broken vessels, what in Hebrew is called Shvirat HaKelim, comes to us from the 16th century Jewish mystic, one of the founders of Kabbalah. No, not Madonna, but Rabbi Isaac Luria, who is known simply as the Ari. The Ari does not end his myth, though, with the scattered sparks, forever lost to the chaos. No, instead he continues with a charge for humankind. Why are we here on this earth? To find those sparks of light, those shards of broken vessels, to gather them up, to bring them together, to repair the brokenness. The obligation lies on our shoulders to find these hidden sparks of light that spilled out from the broken vessels concealed all throughout our world. Now, there's a radical element to this process. Human actions, our actions, can have an effect on the cosmos. The innovation of Jewish mystical thought was the idea that God's being changes in response to human behavior. Jewish mysticism sees humans and the divine in a two-way relationship. Not only are we not mere chess figures to be moved around by an all-knowing, all-powerful God, but our actions can impact God. Our actions can change God. And in fact, when I was preparing for this morning, rediscovering these ideas reminded me of Octavia Butler's terrifying speculative fiction novel, The Parable of the Sower. 
in which the main character, Lauren Olamida, becomes the leader of a new religion, which she titles Earthseed. And the central precept of Earthseed is, why is the universe to shape God? Why is God to shape the universe? This process of changing God by gathering up the broken bits of God's divine light from all around the world in Hebrew, it's called tikkun olam, literally repairing tikkun, the world, olam. While the Ari did not invent this term in the 16th century, he imbued it with new meaning when he linked it to the breaking of vessels and to humanity's ultimate mission on earth, our purpose in being created. In contemporary liberal Jewish circles, like in my own community, and even beyond the Jewish community, tikkun olam has come to be a stand-in umbrella term for social justice, one that is used so frequently it's beginning to lose its meaning. However, this usage of tikkun olam as a term for social justice is less than a century old, although this Hebrew phrase itself is much older. In the first two centuries CE, the term tikkun ha'olam appears 10 times in the Mishnah, a Jewish legal compendium. Tikkun ha'olam, literally repair of the world, appears in this legal literature mostly as a reason for closing legal loopholes around traditional divorce practices. In most of the examples given, Tikkun ha'olam is invoked as a reason to avoid ambiguity. Is one divorced or not? Usually it's helpful to have a clear answer to that question. And in one case, as Rabbi Jill Jacobs, a contemporary American rabbi and activist, points out, the term is used to prohibit a technically legal practice that would have disruptive consequences for the entire system of marriage and divorce. She writes, what is at stake here is precisely maintaining the stability of the Jewish community, the repair of the world. Tikkun olam for the Jewish rabbis of the second century is not mystical. It is not about social justice or radical revolution. It's about keeping things stable, familiar, and safe. Elsewhere in the Mishnah, the rabbis use the phrase mipne tikkun ha'olam for the sake of the repair of the world to forbid practices that may lead to negative consequences, such as paying an excessively high ransom to redeem captives, lest this willingness to overpay lead to a rise in the prices of ransoms or even an increase in kidnappings. Again, the purpose of the phrase is for the protection and safety of the community. Rabbi Jacobs looked at these cases and at others in the Mishnah, and she determined that we might translate mipne tikkun olam as for the sake of the preservation of the system as a whole. The rabbis feared change and sought to protect their community from upheaval to prevent the breakdown of the entire system. I get this feeling. I've had times too when I've chosen the familiar, the safety, the known 
over change. I'm going to invite you now to think there's a time in your own life when you've chosen familiar safety over unfamiliar change and share with us on Menti. Job security. Easy sometimes, necessary to stay in a job that might not be the right job, might be hard, might be painful, in order to keep that roof over our heads, to not jump into the unknown. Toxic friendships, all of our relationships, right? Change is scary. All change includes grief. Mm. The pain of having to stay with someone who hurts us. Not knowing, not believing that maybe there's something else out there. To keep our mouths quiet when we see brokenness, when something is wrong. Love, staying in the familiar. Mm. Trying to keep re existing relationships the way they are. Not allowing ourselves to show up fully in those. Not sharing transitions with family, with parents. Mm. Can be pain, too, in staying in the familiar. Today in the 21st century... Tikkun olam has become a shorthand for social justice. Direct service projects, volunteering, philanthropy, activism. Rabbi Arnold Jacob Wolf of Blessed Memory critiqued those who too simplistically equated Judaism with a particular set of values. A teaching about compromise, sharpening, trimming, and humanizing rabbinic law a mystical doctrine about putting God's world back together again. This strange and half-understood notion becomes a huge umbrella under which our petty moral concerns and political panaceas can come in out of the rain. Contemporary Judaism has taken this idea of tikkun olam really, a few different ideas of tikkun olam from various points in Jewish history and thought, and removed it of its particularity, of its religious nature, whitewashing tikkun olam to be something that can fit any idea, any problem that we see. Last Sunday, when I was watching your service on YouTube earlier this week, Pastor Miak preached about the role of social justice in the church, Asking, is it an essential part of who we are as religious beings and as faith communities, or is it extracurricular? I'd love to imagine Rabbi Wolf in conversation with us today on this question. He critiques communities in which social justice becomes the be-all and end-all of religious life, erasing the religious part of it, erasing our spiritual selves, our ritual commitments, Ignoring God, forgetting the divine, but neither for Rabbi Wolf is social justice an extracurricular activity. 
something optional that we can choose to do because it enriches our lives. It's fun. It makes for great Instagram content. No, for Judaism, social justice, tikkun olam, is a religious activity, one that is rooted in our sacred texts and in our religious commitments to our fellow humans in our understanding of how God works on earth and in us. In Judaism today, we use the language of tikkun olam and the story of shvirat kelim, the breaking of the vessels, to provide a religious story, a religious lens for confronting the brokenness in the world. And there is so much of it. What brokenness are you holding in your heart this morning, in your personal life? You can hold space for what each of us are holding. And when we share it, we can hold that burden together. Mm. There's so many. Where do I even begin? Mm. relationships with God, fear of failure, what it means to be autistic and trans, to be struggling with identity, to be holding jealousy, envy, grief, fear, job insecurity, relationships with our loved ones, relationships that are broken, seeing people devalued at work, We turn from our own lives. I see a comment there, the social injustice. We turn from our own lives to the world. What brokenness do you see in the world? Of course, knowing that our lives and the world are not separate. They touch, they are interwoven. We start with ourselves and then we look beyond. Homelessness, inequity, discrimination, war, poverty, discrimination, selflessness, racism, corruption, bias, classism and materialism, oppression in so many ways. See, someone just said yes. There is, yes, there is so much brokenness that we see, that we hold. Sometimes all we need to do is acknowledge it. Say, yes, I see it. I see the ways in which the world is broken and that brokenness is hurting so many. Mm. Abuse, the heat wave, the not so gradual warming of our world, cruelty. It can feel unending sometimes. And our religious imagination invites us to envision what will be when we collect all of those broken shards, all of those points of life, and unite them together. What might it look like if we took all of these points of brokenness, the brokenness in our hearts, in our relationships, in our world, all of the pain that we're holding in this room and those of us joining online, 
and we fixed it. In my training as a community organizer, we talk about two different worlds, the world as it is and the world as it should be. The world as it is, the world we live in now with all of its imperfections, that status quo that the rabbis of the second, second century tried to protect. And the world as it should be, the world that might be if we united those sparks, if we fixed that brokenness, the world that the activists among us are working towards every day. In Judaism, we have Hebrew terms for these two worlds rooted in our religious imagery. Olam hazeh, this world, the earthly physical world, and olam haba, the world to come, the time of the messianic age, perhaps also heaven, the world to come after we live on this earth. But the notion of tikkun olam, of repairing the world, invites us to consider maybe olam haba doesn't have to be only after we die, but something achievable here on earth. So what will that repaired world, the world as it should be, look like? What words might you use to describe the world as it should be? Harmony, free, home, peace, rest, empathy, loving. Seems to me that empathy and loving are the foundation for everything else. Everyone is equal. Kindness. Love amongst pain. That's what we do here, right? That's what we do in all of our religious spaces at all of our holy times. So when I first heard about the theme for this sermon series, the image of Kintsugi stuck with me. This is the best visual I can imagine for what those mystical vessels might look like after we've collected all of the pieces scattered around the world. When we imagine that world as it should be, the world you just described, the world after the completed process of tikkun, whatever language we might use to name that hoped-for time far off on the horizon, does it look like the damage was never there? Do the scars of our collective pain and suffering built up over centuries of indifference and injustice merely fade away, leaving no trace of what we have endured? If the Kabbalists, the Jewish mystics, were right, and our actions change God, when those vessels holding God's divine light are finally brought back together, of course they will bear the fingerprints of the hurt we hold, the ways we humans hurt each other and God's vast creation. The vessels will show the scars of all the times we tried to get closer to God and failed. When I imagine those repair jars of light, this is what I see. The gold between the cracks is God's light shining through. God's light that we made manifest on earth by doing the impossible work of tikkun, of repair. 
in Jewish time now, as you are counting from Easter to Pentecost, my community is counting from Passover to Shavuot. And just a week after the end of Passover, after the Jewish community celebrates freedom and renewal, we also pause to remember and to mourn on Yom HaShoah, Holocaust Remembrance Day. And this day took place just this past Tuesday. The Holocaust, one of the most painful historical examples of the brokenness in our world and the capacity of humans to hate, to stir up fear, to hurt, and to kill. And at what cost? At the cost of six million Jewish victims, up to 15,000 gay men, and millions of others, including ethnic Roma and Sinti populations, Soviet prisoners of war, and political dissidents. Not only were all those lives lost with all of their gifts, their human uniqueness, their stories, their jokes, but their futures were lost too. The children they might have had, the students they might have taught, the inventions they would create. The horrors of the Holocaust led many to question, where was God? Could any of the sparks of God's presence, God's light, be found in those dark years of 1939 to 1945? How can the reality of the Holocaust coexist with a belief in a God that is omnipotent and all-powerful and benevolent? Either God couldn't do anything or God didn't want to do anything. Post-Holocaust Jewish theology sought to answer these questions. One answer comes from Rabbi Eliezer Berkowitz, a German-born Orthodox rabbi and Holocaust survivor. Rabbi Berkowitz writes, The hiding God is present, though man is unaware of him. He is present in his hiddenness. Therefore, God can only hide in this world. But if this world was altogether and radically profane, there would be no place in it for him to hide. He can only hide in history. Since history is man's responsibility, one would in fact expect him to hide, to be silent, while man is about his God-given task. Responsibility requires freedom, but God's convincing presence would undermine the freedom of human decision. God hides in human responsibility and freedom. During the years of the Holocaust, God was hiding. It wasn't on God to stop the Holocaust. It was on humans. And while Rabbi Berkowitz doesn't say so here, I'll add that we can find those sparks of God in human actions. In the concentration camp prisoners who stole a potato and some margarine, not to eat, but to light in celebration of the Jewish holiday of Hanukkah. In the acts of resistance and bravery, in the gestures of human kindness extended to fellow prisoners, in the brave people called righteous Gentiles, who risked their own lives and the lives of their families to save their friends, their neighbors, or even total strangers. In the years immediately following the Holocaust, there were debates 
about when it should be commemorated and mourned. Should it be on an existing Jewish day of mourning? Should it be on January 27th, as International Holocaust Remembrance Day is, the anniversary of the liberation of Auschwitz-Birkenau? Ultimately, the leaders of the Jewish community chose the Hebrew date of the 27th of Nisan, the week after the end of Passover, which typically falls in April. Why this day? This day marks the anniversary of the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising. In April 1943, the Germans began the liquidation, the total deportation to concentration camps of all the Jews imprisoned in the ghetto of Warsaw, Poland. The young Jewish leaders of the ghetto underground resisted, not spontaneously, but after months of careful planning and strategic preparation, even though they knew their revolt would be ultimately futile and death was inevitable, they fought back, refusing to go quietly like lambs to slaughter, fully alive until the moment of their death. While this was the largest and longest Jewish revolt under Nazi occupation, lasting nearly four weeks, it was not the only resistance effort during those dark years. Now, what does all of this talk of the death and destruction of the Holocaust have to do with the sermon series of Fully Alive? The Jewish day of Holocaust remembrance was specifically chosen to be a day when we fought back, when we said no to death. Too often, when talking about the Holocaust and telling the stories that need to be told, the stories of death and destruction, of dehumanization and despair, we omit the stories of life, of the ways that people were able to maintain their own humanity and see the humanity, the divine sparks within their fellow prisoners. The stories of the clergy, the rabbis, pastors, and priests who continued to care for their flocks even under terrible circumstances. One such rabbi was Rabbi Regina Jonas, the first ordained woman rabbi in history who continued to preach, teach, and inspire her fellow inmates into Riesenstadt until her death. The stories of Jews who fought back, who resisted, who found a way to do tikkun, to repair, to take a step, whether meager or bold, towards the world as it should be. The resistance fighters of the Warsaw Ghetto Rabbi Regina Jonas and all of the other unknown stories lost to history, they each did their part to find God's presence, to bring it to light, even in the darkest of times. Rabbi Shira Stutman speaks about our Jewish obligation to remember the Holocaust. Why is this act of memory so imperative? Not as a standalone act, but we remember so that. Our remembering has a purpose. We remember so that such acts of hate never happen again to anyone. We remember so that we can live in ways that bring honor to the memories of those who lost. We live fully because they cannot. One of the concluding prayers in our daily Jewish liturgy is called Aleinu, 
which literally means it is on us. The Alenu prayer speaks to the obligation that rests on each of our shoulders to live fully, to participate in the never-ending work of tikkun olam, to making God's presence known and visible on earth now. Judy Chicago, a feminist artist and writer, an American Jewish woman, wrote these words, a poem called Merger, echoing the themes of the Alenu prayer, a vision of what our world might be like. And then all that has divided us will merge. And then compassion will be wedded to power. And then softness will come to a world that is harsh and unkind. And then both men and women will be gentle. And then both women and men will be strong. And then no person will be subject to another's will. And then all will be rich and free and varied. And then the greed of some will give way to the needs of many. And then all will share equally in the earth's abundance. And then all will care for the sick and the weak and the old. And then all will nourish the young. And then all will cherish life's creatures. And then everywhere will be called Eden once again. May this be God's will. We have now come to a time of communion. For those of you joining us online, now will be a good time to pair your elements so that we may partake together. We gather each Sunday at this table. Even though at this time we are not all physically together, the table of God's feast transcends time and space because God's love transcends all boundaries. So this table recognizes no boundaries. Here at FCC, we celebrate an open table. This means you do not have to meet any criteria. You do not have to be a member of FCC. You do not have to be baptized. You only need to recognize that God's love and grace is sufficient. When Jesus sat at tables and broke bread with the tax collectors, lawyers, rich elites, and poor peasants, he proclaimed that God's radical love and abiding presence know no bounds. Through these occasions of sharing food, every person experienced God and shared in God's kingdom. Together, a, a kingdom, kingdom where all are welcome, all are worthy, and all are invited. A kingdom where lives are transformed and empowered, and the fruits of God's gentle justice bloom throughout creation. All people, including each of us, are invited to share in this sacred meal of celebration and be strengthened by the presence of God in this place. We remember that Jesus fed 5,000 hungry people with five loaves of bread and two fish. At this miraculous meal, there was such an abundance that everyone ate until they were full. And there were even 
12 baskets of food left over. Holy God, we celebrate your abundant care and solidarity revealed in this meal. We remember that while sharing a meal with the Pharisees, Jesus welcomed a woman viewed as an outsider. As a woman anointed his feet with oil, Jesus declared her dignity before everyone at the meal. Holy God, we celebrate your gracious inclusiveness revealed in this meal. At these meals, Jesus and all his disciples resisted the divisions, injustice and violence of society. They lived out instead the kingdom of God, a place of love, justice and mutuality. But we also recognize that not all people liked Jesus' ministry. For some people, it was scandalous. They said, look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. When his arrest seemed near, Jesus ate a meal in an upper room with the disciples. As he had done so many times before, he took bread and after giving thanks to you, holy God, he broke it and gave it to the disciples. This time saying, do this to remember me. After the meal, he shared the wine, gave thanks and said, I will not drink from this cup again until I drink it with you in the kingdom of God. May I now invite the stewards to come forward to distribute the elements. For those of you joining us for the first time, please hold on to the elements so that we may partake of it together.
Jesus was then unjustly, unjustly killed by the systems of his denomination of his day. To some of his frightened disciples, it seemed that the bread symbolizes his broken body and the wine his blood. Together, God, the kingdom, kingdom of God, God persisted and persists today through the many people who seek to be your resurrection community. Holy God, in the sharing of this bread and wine, we joyfully celebrate the hope-inspiring ministry and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You may partake of the elements. I invite you to stand if you're willing and able. Together, gracious God, God may this meal be for us an Emmaus meal. We may encounter your presence in the sharing of this food as the disciples did at their meal in Emmaus. May the sharing of this food be a taste of your kingdom, holy God, so we may be strengthened to be your joyful and hopeful disciples. And may we share in your kingdom of love, justice and mutuality with those around us. Amen. Please be seated. Thank you, Rabbi Miriam, for the sharing. I think uh, it's very touching. We live in a relatively safe world in Singapore, but every time when I see the news of wars and mass shootings and everything over the opposite end of the world, and always think, where is God in all this? Where is God in all this? And my friends always remind me that God is found in the tears that are shed during these events. Indeed, the world as it is and the world that is to come. I mean, I often struggle with FCC proclaiming that we are all beloved child of God and God loves you as you are. And yet every day we are trying to transform ourselves into better versions of ourselves. But I think God sees both us and loves us as who we are. And God also sees who we can be become. We can become. So therefore, I think there's no uh, contradiction at all. And indeed, uh, God loves you, but God sees the potential in you. So continue to work hard. Uh, don't be like those that, you know, they may die at 25, but they are buried at 75. So may we live and die a full life as we continue this sermon series called Fully Alive. So welcome once again to the Sunday service of Free Community Church, where free stands for First Realize Everyone's Equal. If you are new to us, uh, or you are not so new to us, today is our monthly newcomers meeting. Uh, it's immediately after service uh, at the rooms behind. If you are joining us online, you will not be able to join us in time for this, today's uh, newcomers meeting. So the next newcomers meeting will be on 28th of May. Uh, so do, uh, if you are interested, please send an email to info at freecomchurch.org to indicate your interest. And you may also leave us your details at fcc.ly slash welcome or scan the QR code so that uh, one of our staff will reach out to you. Uh, now we've come to the giving uh, segment of the service. Uh, there are actually two funds that we collect generally. One is for the FCC General Fund, one is for the FCC Building Fund. 
the ways of giving are you may give by PayNow by scanning the above QR codes or you may give by credit card at freecomchurch.give.asia. Uh, the giving by credit card, uh, the platform charges a 1.5% admin fee. So what comes to us is 98.5% only. Okay. So if you are here on site with us and you like to drop something to the uh, giving bags, uh, you may raise your hands later and the stewards will uh, go, go, go to you. Uh, let us now pray. God indeed... In this broken world where sometimes you seem to be hidden, we know that there are sparks of you and of your presence around us. And though it may be difficult to see and to look for these sparks, whether it be in others or even within ourselves, we rest in the knowledge that we are your beloved creation and that as we gather as a community may we continue to shine so that others may see your love shine in us as we lift up this offering to you God indeed we continue to pray for your wisdom your guidance and your strength and let us not depend on ourselves but to fully surrender all to you so that we may truly be your creation and live to be what you hope and you know us to be. In Jesus' most precious name, we give thanks. Amen. So may we invite the stewards to come forward and take up the collection. Announcements. The first announcement for the day is enrich the community with your gifts, talents, knowledge and experience. Uh, FCC runs a series of ACE events. ACE is called After Church Events. After Church Events, we usually organise things so that uh, people don't only come to church to listen to sermon or sing worship songs, but really is able to gather as a community to learn things and to get to know each other better. So if you think you have any gifts and talents and something that you think is, might be of interesting to the community and you'd like to share it with any of us, uh, please email to info at freecomchurch.org to actually uh, just indicate your intention to volunteer for ACE. Yeah. If you want to make a difference, you may also join the SCC social media team. Uh, you may drop a message to Pauline at info at freecomchurch.org. If you are not, if you, just in case you are not aware, FCC has got Facebook, YouTube, webpage, Instagram. I think so, that's all. Twitter. Spotify, yes, Spotify. Uh, yeah, we have got quite a lot of uh, different media streams to, to reach out to a lot of different people. I mean, I think this makes FCC uh, uh, as much as possible a global church to have a uh, wider reach. So if you're interested to join the FCC social media team, uh, do drop a message to info at Freecom Church, and then, yeah, we need people to join the FCC social media team. Ah, yeah. <laughs> join the production ministry too. Last Sunday, we had a 
production hiccup. I mean, we had a technical difficulty. So I thought we, we had a missed opportunity to ask for volunteers for the production ministry. But today we had an A team at the Hive. So everything went very smoothly, especially with live worship. It's a very, very difficult work. But we still need volunteers. The production ministry includes producers, includes sound, includes visual presenters, includes camera people, includes uh, yeah, people who can make this kind of PowerPoint slides. <laughs> so all, all that you need, all that you can, if you have a heart to serve, join the production ministry by signing up info at freecomchurch.org. Next Sunday also, uh, Gary would be happy to present uh, behind the scenes uh, of the production ministry so that you can see how much work it actually takes uh, for us to actually uh, put out a live service every Sunday. Because, you know, we, we actually contemplated stopping the, the broadcast because, I mean, since COVID ended, everybody can come to church, right? But then we realized that hey, there are people in Australia, there are people in UK, there are people in Philippines all watching us on live, uh, online. So we actually need this production ministry. So please do sign up at info at freecomchurch.org uh, if you'd like to add a little spice to your life. Yes. <laughs> Church retreat is also coming. It's very, very soon. Uh, we've been almost one month, slightly more than a month. It's on 2nd to 4th of June. It actually... Uh, spreads across a public holiday, so you actually don't need to take leave. Uh, we are having our church retreat at Batam Harbour Bay, Batam Swiss Bell Hotel. The room rates is going to be three days, two nights. The highest cost will be 400 per pax, lowest 218 per pax. Ignore the 155. Next. Uh, oh, no, 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 no. Cannot link. Sorry. Uh, to sign up, please register fcc.ly slash church dash retreat or scan the QR code. There is a deadline to sign up. So please do sign up as early as possible because there's a lot of logistics to arrange. You know, to go Batam, we are not just driving. We need to take the ferry, everything. So there's a lot of logistics to arrange. So please sign up as fast as possible, as early as possible. And then the speakers for a church retreat are... Uh, Reverend Maria Ling and also and her husband Dr. Lim Sui Hong. So it'll be uh, something new for us, for especially for those for those of us who have only joined us in the past couple of years during COVID period or slightly before COVID. So do come and join us for the church retreat. Uh, now I'd like to invite the worship team to come and lead us in the closing song. Shall we rise? Let's start the week with a bang uh, and praises and not one or two but thousand hallelujahs, shall we? Okay. Oh, are you the one? <laughs> Would rocks cried out to worship Whose glory taught the stars to shine Perhaps creation longs to have the words to sing But this joy is mine Let's sing it again who else would frogs cry out to worship? Whose glory thought the stars to shine? 
Perhaps creation longs to have the words to sing But this joy is mine With a thousand hallelujahs We magnify your name You alone deserve the glory The honor and the praise Lord Jesus This song is forever yours A thousand hallelujahs And a thousand more Who else would die for our redemption? Whose resurrection means our rise There isn't time enough to sing of all you've done But I have eternity to try With a thousand hallelujahs We magnify your name you alone deserve the glory, the honor and the praise Lord Jesus, this song is forever yours A thousand hallelujahs and a thousand This song is forever 
yours a thousand hallelujahs and a thousand more and now will you receive the benediction dear God you place your light your life in each one of us and you call us amid our brokenness, the brokenness of our lives, the brokenness of this world, to rise up and to come fully alive. And you called us to participate, to cooperate in your work of tikkun olam in our world today. And so now go. Go as God's people who will arise, who will come fully alive, who carry God's light in your lives and into the world as you work towards Tikkun Olam. And may our, may our God of grace and love, peace and justice go with you, both now and always. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for service today. Please go and be well and God be with you.